Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Men in Tights podcast. This is an episode that I've actually been debating on doing for a little while. Um, kind of a follow-up to some of the Marvel Studios specific videos that I've done and podcasts that I've done last year. And now, unlike those, this one won't necessarily be a negative rant on the Marvel Studios Marvel Cinematic Universe. And uh, This one, I'm going to be talking about what the success of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and has, the impact of it has had on Hollywood as a whole. Because, let's be honest, it's it's had a big, a big impact on Hollywood and how a lot of movies operate now. And has, has even raised the standard of what a successful movie is supposed to be. And yes, I know, I did two podcasts last year saying that Marvel Studios is not, is not the gold standard of Hollywood. Yes, I said that. I still stand by that opinion. But at the same time, I have to acknowledge that it has set a standard for box office box office success in Hollywood. You know, because in Hollywood, money talks. That's all that that's all that matters. So, and Marvel Cinematic Universe has been the most successful film franchise of this of the, of this century at least. I don't know if it's in the entire history of Hollywood, but of the last 20 years, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been the most successful film franchise. You know that that's just just the fact. You know they had to, they have in the top in the top 10 highest grossing movies of all time. They have five movies. So come on, uh, is it five? I, I think it's it's five. I know for sure all four Avengers movies are in the top 10. But let me double check to be sure that I'm not spreading fake news. Alright, let me look through. There it is. Right, yeah, I have it I have it bookmarked on here so I can always look at look back on this stuff. Alright, top ten. Let me see uh, Endgame, uh, Infinity War, Avengers, and uh, oh, Age of Ultron got bumped by by Frozen Two. How about that? Uh, but yeah, up until recently, yeah, uh, they the the top ten. I think it was up until uh, until the Lion King came out. It was. Black Panther, Age of Ultron, Avengers, Avengers Infinity War, and Endgame were in the top 10. Uh, but now the top 10 is only Endgame, Infinity War, and the first Avengers movie. Yeah, yeah, Age of Ultron got bumped by Frozen 2. <laughs> oh, that's just funny. That is funny to me. Um, but yeah, oh, yeah, then I'll just say in the, in the top 20 of all time, it is, is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Let me look through it. Number 20 is Iron Man... Uh, three, yeah, Iron Man three, the one that a lot of people say is the worst, and then Black Panther number twelve, Age of Ultron number eleven, yeah. But they also have uh, Captain America: Civil War at twenty two, and Captain Marvel at twenty six. So, yeah, the MCU is a is a is one of the most profitable franchises in Hollywood history. And like I said, and it is the most successful franchise of the last 20 years. There's no denying that. And because of the success of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it has had a big influence on the way potential film franchises are, you know, the structure of them. Like, like almost any movie that is of a comic book movie or like a potential franchise, you know, film, they, people look at it in the same... At, in almost the same light of what the MCU is, like even uh, Detective Pikachu, um, people they were looking at that like a, like you know like post credit scenes or whatever. And I still haven't seen that movie. I really want to see it though. Uh, 
that they looked at that like, oh, is this going to launch launch a Pokemon cinematic universe, which has the potential to, you know, but you know that's what they're looking at. Same with Sonic. They're looking at Sonic. Is it going to launch a Sonic cinematic universe? And and then other film franchises that they're looking at that as well, you know. Like, like, even the Fast and Furious movies, you know, they, they the first one came out almost 20 years ago, and that spawned its own cinematic universe as well, with eight main story films, and then the spin-off Hobbs and Shaw. And then we look at, of course, the DCEU, um, with, you know, Man of Steel, BVS, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, Justice League, <laughs> uh, Aquaman, Shazam, Birds of Prey, and then... The coming over the next few years, we have The Suicide Squad, The Flash, Black Adam, uh, Wonder Woman 1984, which as of right now is still scheduled to release in October, but we shall see how that works. Um, and because with the way the MCU has you know structured, that all the films interconnect one way or the other, and but with the DC movies, they didn't exactly. F- people have been saying they needed to follow that formula and then when they did try to follow that formula people said they're why are they following it, the marvel formula so you know it's a give and take you you you, you can eat you, it's a essentially a, a lose-lose situation there's no way to win you know because marvel regardless of how you feel about the films in the, you know on their own the the, MC, the marvel cinematic universe is right here it's the top it and like i said even though I, I don't like that it i don't agree with it being the gold standard of hollywood it essentially is and it's like that's for comic book movies. This is where they need to reach in the eyes of the of the general audience and of the critics. And yeah, but there are certain exceptions, like you know, like like the success of the of Joker. You know that while it was a DC movie, it was independent of the DCEU, the main DCEU at least, um, because you know there's the the multiverse, you know, established by Jim Lee, as we saw through the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover earlier this year and late last year, uh, which you know, God bless Jim Lee, love him, and looking forward to what he has in store for the future of the DC films and television shows going forward. But yes, uh, Joker, independent of the of the DCEU, you know, became the most profitable comic book movie ever with a less than hundred thousand a less than one hundred million dollar budget, grossing over a billion. And I'm so happy that I contributed to that one billion when I got to see it opening night last year. Um, which you know, it shows that yeah, doesn't necessarily have to be that way. You know, but I also know that there are a lot of people that are, that don't like that these that the future DC films aren't going to be connected in in that cinematic universe like Marvel is. And which you know, if you want to hear more more myself on that, you just look at past podcasts I've done talking about such things. But that is the influence and the impact that the success of the MCU has had on Hollywood, where these films, you know, essentially are not I I don't want to say that they're not allowed to succeed on their own, but now they are expected to succeed and launch their own film universes. Like Universal trying to relaunch the Monster Universe. I mean, they had the original one like a hundred years ago with, you know, Creature of the Black Lagoon, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Dracula, Invisible Man, Mummy, uh, Wolfman and all that. And they tried to relaunch that this year as well. Yeah, or not this year, just over the last few years, they try to relaunch that, starting with the Tom Cruise Mummy film, and and then, 
Actually, I think that, I think it actually it started with the Dracula Untold, and then uh, you know came Tom Cruise the Mummy, and then they were gonna have uh, Johnny Depp as the Invisible Man, and they were gonna have all these other you know things like on the, oh, well, I think Johnny Depp yeah he was either gonna be Wolfman or the Invisible Man I don't remember, but yeah that they were gonna re, re- relaunch a brand new Universal Monsters universe, and that's not happening anymore because the films didn't achieve the success that they needed in order to, you know, get that universe going. Uh, but they're still doing the Universal Monster-ish movies, just it won't be that connected universe anymore. At least it doesn't seem that way now. But again, that is, but that's what, where we are with the, with the state of Hollywood uh, and these potential film franchises. Like, they are, they, now they are, I won't say forced, but they, they are expected and essentially encouraged to become a shared universe, a shared cinematic universe like Marvel, and but there have been other film franchises that have had successful, you know, things such as that. Now, before that became the norm, like the Kevin Smith and the Vioskew verse, you know, or is it Vioskew universe, whatever. Uh, those films, you know, where clerks and mall rats and chasing Amy and Dogma. Jane Silent Bob Strike Back and Clerks 2 and uh, Jane Silent Bob Reboot, where all those films are connected as a film universe, uh, with the, you know, the, trying to find the right word for that, um, the one constant of those films being Jay and Silent Bob, and that's how all those films are connected as one world where they all exist together. And. And I remember, I remember even hearing something about Quentin Tarantino that he that his films that there's like a like two universes and one where certain films exist together as, in as as one universe and the other films exist as films in that universe. It's I don't know, the the way that it was explained was very confusing. <laughs> but I think it was something like characters in Pulp Fiction exist also they they exist in um and uh the in the world of Reservoir Dogs and uh, the yeah something like it, it, it I have to look it up again because it was confusing. Um, but and and then other like other comic book movies that are that you know studios and directors are trying to get launched like um like a what's his name uh, Todd McFarlane trying to launch the his, his Spawn film. I'm sh- I'm sure that's wh- whenever that finally gets filmed and released, that's gonna be expected to launch a cinematic universe like, much like <clears throat> uh, the MCU. Because you know, with Hellboy, the one that came out last year with uh, uh with David Harbor, that was expected to launch a universe like Marvel, and it did, and it's if if it failed at the box office, let's be honest, you know, and therefore it's not gonna be able to do that. You know, X Men. The X-Men universe from Fox sort of had that going for them, where they had the main X-Men stories, and then they had the side films of Wolverine, and then they had the Deadpool films, uh, where the Deadpool films essentially mocked the the inconsistent timeline of the X-Men films. <laughs> yeah, but that's why we love Deadpool. And, and, but it's just... You know, but before the success of the Marvel universe, like the DC movies and other Marvel movies, weren't ex- they, there was no expectation for them to be interconnected as as one as one coherent universe. Like, you know, like the the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy was not expected to at any point inter inter 
weave itself into the X-Men films or or with the Daredevil film um, or the Ang Lee Hulk movie that came out in 2003. They were not expected to exist as one world. You know, they were independent of each other. And that was over, and that was perfectly fine by by everybody. But now you make one comic book movie, it's expected to be part of a of an interconnected universe. And you know, that works for Marvel, but doesn't necessarily work for everybody else. Like you know, like the Tim Burton and Joel Schumacher Batman films. While those are all tonally inconsistent, uh, they exist. They actually exist within the same world. Like you know, as much as want to pretend that they don't, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin are exist in the same world as Batman and Batman Returns. You know, with the the, with the constant of those films being Michael Goff as Alfred and Pat Hengel as Commissioner Gordon. They're they're the two actors that are in all four of those films. And and even Batman Forever specifically was supposed to stay within the tone of, that was established by Tim Burton in the first two films uh, until you know, Warner Brothers decided to hack that up because we got we got to sell toys for the kids and now there's campaigns for the release the Schumacher cut of Batman Forever which by the time you watch this I don't know if I'm gonna I think I'm gonna actually I'm gonna up, try to upload this Friday the 24th uh, coming up on Monday the 27th. Uh, on Twitter, there'll be a release the Schumacher cut campaign to you know try to get Warner Brother, well AT and T and HBO Max and Warner Media to get their attention to try to see the full almost three hour darker tone version of Batman Forever that was what Sh- Joel Schumacher had intended for the audience to see. Uh, because if you had the graphic novel comic book, uh, and I remember I, I my brother and I we had Batman Returns and the Batman Forever graphic novel comics. And the graphic novel comic for Batman Forever was a much darker story and had a lot of stuff that was not included in the film that was released back in, was it 1994 I think it was 95. But there was a lot that was in that that was not, there was a lot in the book that was not included in the movie. So, yeah. At least the Schumacher cut. You know, if you want to, if you want to see that, that darker version of the story, tweet out the, on the campaign on Monday. Um, July 27th. Uh, from 8 a.m., whatever your local time zone is, until midnight local time. So, uh, but anyways, yeah, those films were connected to each other, but not in an over, in an overwhelming you know, film universe. And, you know, like, it wasn't expected to connect to, to the Christopher Reeve Superman films or anything like that. Just like the Dark Knight trilogy, when Batman Begins first came out and the Superman Returns came out in 2006... Those were not going to be connected. I'm sure. I'm sure they might have had the idea to connect them together, but the but the the world that Christopher Nolan was establishing and what Brian Singer was doing, which was just basically picking up from Superman Two, uh, the Richard Donner cut Superman Two. That those two worlds could not coexist at all. It it would not. It would not work. The the realistic. Uh, story that Christopher Nolan and the, that world that he was creating was not going to mesh well with what Brian Singer was doing over here with Superman Returns. And although the Superman Lives film that was going to come out in the 90s uh, that would that was going to be directed by Tim Burton, um, that the idea that Kevin Smith had when he wrote the original script for it, I think it was the original script, but it was one of the scripts, he had the idea of having it connect to Tim Burton's Batman films, and, you know, that would have been, you know, 
and are connecting to comic book universe before it was a thing. Which, let's be honest, that would have been pretty cool to have back in 1998. You know, until the, the failure of Batman and Robin put plans of First of Man Lives on hold permanently until we got the wonderful documentary from the late John Schnepp, which was uh, The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened. Be sure to check that out on Video On Demand. Uh, I believe it's on Amazon Prime. I Don't quote me on that, but it should be on there. Great documentary. Highly recommend it to anyone who enjoys documentaries such as this, because I definitely do. And, and so... That would have been the first time we would have had any kind of connected film universe, um, and DC didn't wouldn't do that for several years. And there, when they attempted to do it again, it was actually with the 2011 Green Lantern film that was supposed to launch the DC film universe. And because the failure of that film, this any plans for that version of the DC film universe just completely scrapped there was it was they, they decided to start from scratch once again and that's where we got man of steel which i ain't complaining absolutely love man of steel it is my favorite superman story of all time and it is my one of my top 10 favorite films of all time so i ain't complaining that if the failure of green lantern gave us man of steel then i'm happy i'm happy i don't care um although i i do want to see the extended cut of Green Lantern? I've never seen it. I've only seen the theatrical version of it, and I'm told the extended cut is slightly better. So I'll be sure to check that out eventually. Uh, just like I'm told, the director's cut of Daredevil, starring Ben Affleck, is a much better version of the film, and the story is more fleshed out. So I'm try to get the director's cut Blu-ray of that eventually, either via by Amazon or I think even Walmart.com has that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, Green Lantern was the only other attempt at DC trying to have a, a connected film universe because they saw the momentum that Marvel was building with the success of Iron Man and then Incredible Hulk, Iron Man Two, and then Thor, and then Captain America: The First Avenger, and they was they saw the momentum that they were building with that leading up to that first Avengers film in 2012. So they wanted to try to you know have their own version of that. So. Yeah, and like I said, this, the failure of Green Lantern you know, helped us get Man of Steel. And while I know that not a lot of people loved it, I do, and I'm thankful for that. So, thank you Green Lantern 2011 for failing because you gave me Man of Steel. <laughs> um, but, it's just like, I've always been of the opinion that not every film has to follow the Marvel formula. The Marvel Cinematic Universe formula. Which... You know, a lot of people don't agree with my opinion of that, and that's fine. I respect their opinion. It is their right to have that opinion. Whether I agree with it or I don't, I respect it. Because that is how they feel, and they are not wrong for feeling that way, because it is how they feel. You know? And if only social media was as logical and, and considerate like that. Uh, but hey, social media, it is what it is, especially Twitter. Twitter is such a cesspool of... of of uh, agree to disagree that is no longer agree to disagree. It's now now it's we dis you know di agree to disagree even though I'm right and you're wrong. That's the mentality that we have now. But that's a whole other podcast for another day. But uh, I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I love it very much. I've watched all of the films so many times, and I'm 
anxious to see Black Widow, whether that does get a theatrical release, which I don't think, I don't think any film is going to get a theatrical release at all for the rest of this year, so just put it on Disney+. Plus. You'll get, you'll, you'll bump up your, your subscriptions if you put it on Disney+. Plus. You know, and we know Disney loves, they love their money, but I know that they were, they were hoping Black Widow would be another billion dollar success for them, so that's why they were, they're very, very hesitant to put it on streaming, but... If they do it, if they put it on video on demand, it's going to get a lot of people to buy it. If they put it on Disney Plus, they're going to get a lot of people to subscribe to Disney Plus. So, either way, they they're going to make some money from Black Widow. Might not be what they wanted from box office, but they're still going to get some money. Um, and home video release does count towards this, towards the success of a film. You know, like Batman v Superman made almost nine hundred million dollars at the box office, and then in home video sales, bumps it up closer to one billion. So. Um, but yeah, I keep saying but a lot on this one. Um, uh, with Marvel, like I said, the success of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is no one can deny that. You know, as I've said already enough times on here, it's it's up it's up to the top that that is the stand that is the standard whether you want to you want to whether you like it or you don't. That is the standard of Hollywood success right now. You know, every film. Especially a comic book film, if it doesn't cro- if it doesn't make at least half a million, at least not half a million, at least half a billion, if it doesn't cross that five hundred or six hundred million dollar mark, it's automatically deemed a failure. But then again, like I said, Batman vs Batman vs Superman, just just shy of nine hundred million, and people consider it a failure. So I don't know. You know, they they I've I've, I've gotten into arguments with people that consider Batman vs Superman a flop, even though again it's just shy of nine hundred million. So, if being just shy of 900 million means you're a flop, <laughs> I don't I don't know what what standards these people have. But yeah, let's, although with Batman vs Superman, if they released the three-hour director's cut ultimate edition of of the movie, that that that's the one that people have consistently said is the film that they should have released in theaters because the two and a half hour version, people talk complain that it, the story was a mess. It dragged on. It felt so long. But then other people. Then when they watched the three-hour ultimate cut, they say the story is more fleshed out. It makes sense. And those three hours geez, just fly by so fast. Um, I see. But at the same time, I like longer movies if the, if it means the story is going to be more fleshed out. So I I don't care. You know, like when I saw Endgame, I did not. I was not. I barely even realized it was three hours. You know, like whereas other films. That they just it feels like they just drag on and on and on and on like the theatrical cut of Justice League, aka Justice League. It's a two-hour movie, but because of how me- how much of a mess it is, it f- just feels like it drags on. It does. Yeah. You know, whereas Man of Steel's just under two and a half hours feels like that time just goes by so fast. Three hours Batman vs. Man Ultimate Edition just that that those three hours just fly by. Um, you know, the Lord of the Rings movies either either because the theatrical versions are you know Fellowship is three hours, Two Towers is three hours, Return of the King is three and a half hours. All three of them are amazing movies. Return of the King is one of my all-time favorite movies, and the the time just flies by so fast. Um, what's another one? So, but anyways, 
Yeah, um, I don't know how I got on the subject of long movies, but yeah, there you go again. I keep saying but. Um, and how long have I been going? Okay, 24 minutes. Jeez. I feel like I'm not saying anything of importance on this one. Uh, but then again, I that, that's pretty much all, all everything I do on here. None of it makes any sense, but it makes sense to me because it's me, and I'm me. Uh, See so again, I'm the, I'm saying nonsense. Sorry, <laughs> uh, right, I'm I'm recording this at almost one in the morning. I should be going. I should be in bed right now because I got an early day, Friday. I have to be at the at my where my new job is going to be. Uh, I have to get there to finish up paperwork and get my photo ID taken and all that good stuff, and get acquainted with uh, my coworkers that I'll that I'll be spending my time with for however long that I'll be working there. Hopefully, I'll be there. Very, 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 very long time. Uh, but anyways, uh, just yeah, the success of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is undeniable, and they have set the standard of what it means to be a successful film and a successful film franchise in Hollywood. Um, like I said, whether whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or you don't, there's no denying there's no denying that Marvel changed Hollywood. Whether or not it's for the good or for the for, for the for the worse. That's entirely up to your opinion. And that's where I'm gonna end this episode. Thank you all so much for watching and listening and if you're not subscribed, please do so. Click the little button right there in the corner and hit the bell so you stay up to date on everything that I do on here. And I'm trying to get a lot of more stuff on here, I'm trying to get more content out there for the people that do enjoy what I do on here. And uh, like I said, with the new job that I have, uh, as of right now, my only t- scheduled day off is going to be Sundays. Uh, yes, I'll be working Monday to Saturdays as of right now. Um, so I don't know how much free time I'm going to have to do more of these, but I'm going to try my best to be as consistent as I can with presenting um, the product that at least some of you have come to love uh, on here as a fan and subscriber to the podcast. And um, and if you prefer to the audio-only version so you don't have to look at my little little mug right here, you can do so by subscribing to the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Radio Public, Breaker, and Anchor. All the direct links to those will be in the description below. And if you'd like to support the podcast... Uh, you can do so by joining my Patreon for $1 a month. Like, and like I've been saying, I don't have any Patreons right now, and that is completely fine. I understand that not everybody wants to contribute to a Patreon. You know, you know people have, pri- have their priorities, right? And would rather not spend their money on somebody online that they don't know and probably will never meet. I get it. Trust me, I get it. And... But I also do have my monetized podcast store with several fun designs that I have on there and working on new designs that I hopefully will be able to launch on there very soon. And also, if you want to see more of my content, if you're, especially if you're a newer subscriber, you want to check more of my content, you can just check it in the archives. My worst to best rankings that I've been doing, my retro film reviews, my classic wrestling pay-per-views, which I promise, I the one that I had for July, I am going to try to get it out by the end of the month. I promise you that. Um, and then other movie reviews and uh, video game reviews. I'm going to try to get more of those going in the next few months. Uh, and then 
next episode of the Minutized Podcast will be episode 95, and on that one I'll be covering... Uh, sorry, a little gassy right now. Covering some of the stuff to come out of the Comic-Con at home uh, that's been going on this weekend. I'm not going to cover everything, though, because if I covered everything, it would end up being about a five-hour podcast, and nobody wants to listen to me talk for five hours. I don't even like to hear myself talk for five minutes. Uh, so I'll be talking, I'll be doing select stuff from Comic-Con at home, and I'll also be uh, talking about what, everything that went down at JusticeCon this weekend. And like I said, if you want to join in on the fun for JusticeCon, the link to the YouTube channel will be in the description if you want to check it out. Uh, it starts at uh, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, uh, J- July 25th, and we'll also continue into Sunday, July 26th. Um, it'll be it'll be a it'll be a fun weekend for sure. So many awesome guests. They're gonna have um, uh, cinematographer uh, Fabian Wagner, photo- photographer Clay Enos, uh We have Ray Porter who plays Darkseid in Justice League. We have uh, Ray Fisher who plays Cyborg. We'll have uh, Jay Jay Oliva, great comic book uh, film writer and director. Um, we'll have uh, Sean O'Connell. From Cinema Blend, who is writing the release Snyder Cut book, and he's going to re- reveal the release date for that uh, on the on his panel this weekend. Uh, we also have Deborah Snyder on there. She's going to have a panel with the Snyder Amazon Group, and we'll, the headliner is Zack Snyder himself. He's the he'll be the closing panel for for Saturday, and he he'll have a nice little 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 treat for those of us who are going to be uh, participating in this thing. So, if you're a Zack Snyder fan, don't miss out on this one-of-a-kind fan event created by fans for fans. And like I said, the link will be in the description below. And also have the link to the Ink to the People uh, page for the Justice Con uh, merchandise if you want to contribute to that. All the money for those uh, items go to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and... I already bought my shirt from there, so looking forward to that. I might buy some of the other items that are in there as well, just like the because they have they have stickers, they have hats, hoodies, tank tops, t-shirts, sweatshirts, uh, and they have a, a, a badge like a like a Comic Con badge. So I'm gonna try to get I'm gonna buy that so I can have that as a nice little decoration right there, to sit next to my Man of Steel poster. Um, yeah, and until then, thank you all so much for watching, for listening, for subscribing. I love and appreciate every single one of you who do. I truly and generally do. And hope you all have a wonderful day, a wonderful weekend. And stay safe, stay healthy, take care of yourselves and your loved ones. And this has been the Manitized Podcast. I am Julian, and I will see you all next time. Bye-bye.